Does everybody know what time it is? Out o'clock. Time time has run out. We have an environmental problem, Truman. That's right. It's a very depressing grunt work. paradise and put up a parking lot with a japanese style hotel a harry's hardware and stand swinging polish spot don't it always come to pass that you don't know what you've pawed till it's cast binford paved paradise and put up a parking lot where local teens go to drink malt liquor and make out while listening to grunt work the only podcast about the tv series home improvement that hasn't been viciously roasted on twitter by swedish environmental activist greta thunberg I'm your yes. host. <laughs> yeah, I, give, give it time. We'll be here for a she while. She saw how many screens I had open to do <laughs> one episode of this. We, we we cut down an acre of rainforest for every episode we release to, to, to house these episodes online. I'm your host, Truman, the Inconvenient Truth Man Caps, and with me mm. as always is my co-host, Landon, the Psycho Al Gore Man, Solano. <laughs> I oh man okay listen I I, I knew I'd leave you flabbergasted with that one I felt very proud of myself I, pre- I appreciate the reference to a horror film uh it it, it blends uh, but yeah yeah also snuck in an al pun I I mean oh, well, there's just a lot there well I mean it was I I was really blending our interest it was a reference to a horror movie for you and a reference to a politician from the 90s for me so uh but I, I didn't even realize that it also was uh like an Al Borland thing so yeah that's that's levels that oh, I Al didn't Gore even Al Bo- oh, yeah yeah Landon he was vice president for for a, a time in in your life I I think that uh Ever since he gave up on that environmental stuff that he's been working around the home um, and changed his name to Al Gorland. Okay, that would make sense. So he just gave up on that environmental stuff. He was like, yeah, this shit's fucked. I guess I'll just put up some <laughs> siding. Uh, uh, pretty much, yes. The, the, re- the real threat to humankind, it's not, it's not global climate change. It's leaky faucets. And I'm going to, I'm going to get after it's every last one. No, it's absolutely part of the problem. True. Well, I mean, listen, he did he did invent the internet, so I guess it only it stands to reason then that he would get into the burgeoning uh home improvement DIY video on the internet field. It happens. Yeah, it does. It does happen. Um Landon, welcome back yes. to, to Grunt Work. I don't know why I'm welcoming you to the podcast that we I don't host, either. but I'm still but not very it, good you at know making what? it. How often how often do you get welcomed into your own home? Very rarely, and I think that it's probably a nice treat that we should start uh you know encouraging and and implementing that listen that would improve homes i'm just saying if we're if we're really looking <laughs> at what this show's about and what we're trying to bring to the world um yeah we watched uh do you, i mean unless you have anything to get into do you just want to tackle the elephant in the room that being the, the home listen, improvement episode we got a packed episode oh, sir oh this do, is just we? packed to the gills oh. every corner is filled we can't waste any time. No. So I think we should get right down to we, it. We can't waste any time like all of the world's governments did between like 1988 and now with regard to uh, pollution. Uh, I think it, it just if we keep beating the depressing note of this world that we live in over and over in this episode, it will get funny by the end. I, I, I think so. So everybody buckle up for that. Landon, what happened this week yes. on Home Improvement, the TV show we watch for this podcast? <laughs> Yeah, I will synopsize as soon as I turn off my four space heaters and <laughs> shut off my faucets. Um, 
And you're recording okay. this from the front seat of your Ford F-350 <laughs> where you're rolling coal on a bunch of no, cyclists. No, 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 right? no. I, I mean, I have that running down in the parking lot, but Good. Uh, I'm, I'm up in my... Uh, I'm up in my apartment with all of my heaters blowing at the same time. <laughs> Good for you. Um, Good for you. I have every this, light in the apartment on, including in rooms that I'm not in. <laughs> this week, Randy has found a new topic for the school paper. What local companies are doing to clean up the environment. Oh, boy. Tim suggests writing about Binford. But when evidence turns up that Binford is one of the top ten local polluters, the article takes a different slant than Tim anticipated. After Randy confronts Bud, remember remember Bud? He's the head of Benford. You don't have to remind me about Bud. Folks at home maybe <laughs> need to be reminded about Bud. After Randy confronts Bud and calls Tim a sellout, he writes a Pulitzer-winning article that changes the course of environmentalism and seizes climate change in its tracks, forever saving our planet, and the benefits of which we are still receiving 25 years later. Thank you, Randy Taylor. Yes, Randy Taylor it really was the Greta Thunberg of his time, and that's why that's why we don't have to worry about climate change now. It's at because least, of that at least school of his newspaper. Royal Oak. At least of his Royal Oak High School. <laughs> I mean, it really is that the the parallels um, the parallels are endless. The fact that he <laughs> you know that he, he refuses to travel by air and he uh, I feel like Greta Thunberg would also mercilessly roast Tim Taylor if she had the opportunity to meet him. So uh, oh you know, god, yes, great minds <clears throat> think alike. Truman, Landon, do you want to guess that title? I I do, and I like the I like the little uh, flair that you put on it. I mean, you always put flair on it, but you it put was, a different <laughs> flair. I was I was gonna do the normal one, but I, I'm I have something stuck in my throat. I'm gonna mute the mic <laughs> while you guess these titles. Uh, I I couldn't do the normal one. I, I I never mute the mic when I am coughing like crazy. I just <laughs> so this is you know Landon cares more for me than I do for him. Okay, I have a bunch of guesses for this title. Um, I also don't want to give the impression that I don't care for Landon very much. He is one of my dearest friends. Okay, but this so. is all in it. We are playing characters. All the wor- all the world's a podcast. Okay, <laughs> only for our live shows do we record it simultaneously. Otherwise, I just record my half of this conversation and send him the audio file, so we never have to interact. Landon and I have not had an actual conversation with each other since uh 2013 it's really th- this this whole thing is just to we're just trying to like cash in on the enormously <laughs> famous truman and landon personas that people around the world can't get enough of uh truman uh before you guess these titles okay. i want to i want to play our um our meta game or our our, our chalupa challenge game oh of course because you want to tell people the, th- the word yes I want to tell people the word because I think there might be a small percent chance that you might fit this into one of your titles. Oh, okay. All right. I'm so I right, put it out gonna, there. We're playing Pee Wee's Playhouse rules. Uh, I have chosen a secret word. If Truman says this word at any point during this episode, all of our patrons uh, on Patreon <laughs> uh, win chalupas or uh, the equivalent thereof. So. Uh, Truman, I'm going to put you on yeah, mute yeah, now, and I'm going to tell everyone what our special word is. So, Truman is muted. Truman, can you hear me? Truman, can you hear me? Truman, can you hear me? No, he cannot. Okay, the secret word this week is spuds. Spuds. You'll see why in a minute. Truman, are you there? Oh, I'm here. You know, I was just thinking about... 
a person who maybe watches a couple episodes of Home Improvement after having not seen it in a long time and then is into podcasts, so they Google for podcasts about Home Improvement, and then they just decide to drop in on season seven, and it's like, what the fuck? Chalupas guessing random words? What the, What is going on? I just wanted to hear no. about Tim Taylor and his family. Get ready, because uh, this whole episode is going to be way off the rails. Listen, if you actually, if, yeah, if you're if you're just looking for people talking about home improvement and not doing a million other things, then you know by now you're not in the right place. Uh, Truman, okay. what are your title guesses? Okay, I've got a I've got a large number today. First guess: okay. environment alism. <laughs> Fucking hell. No, boo! Where's the boo button? Wow, wow! I'm sorry. I thought I, I, I used to think that there were fans of Al on this podcast. Evidently, no more. Okay, next one, another beloved classic. Baby, okay. baby, you can drive my carbon emissions. <laughs> you try to fit that fucking song in. No, that to at least ten episodes a season. I mean, listen, I will agree that I use it as a suggestion a lot. There's I don't know car in this episode. Carbon. Carbon. Oh, well, okay. Carbon right. emissions. Okay. Okay. I, they All don't right. have to be. Come on. You know me. There are straws <laughs> I grasp at them. This is what my deal is. Okay. Next right. one. Yes. The Kyoto. Oh, no. Protocol. Reference to the 1992 Kyoto Protocol on carbon emissions that set very nebulous targets for uh, world governments to hit in reducing carbon emissions. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Next. Uh, I want you Next. to be I'm ready. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Resetting my energy. Tim the Toolman's taters. <laughs> okay. All right. And last of all. But certainly not least, reduce, reuse, recycle Al. Boo! No, why are you booing Al? He rules. I'm not booing Al. I'm booing the the joke structure, which has been done to death. Oh, 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 yes, you're right. I shouldn't do repetitive jokes, Landon. I should put in the time and the effort and the energy to come up with new material. I agree, and we are in agreement. Wait, wait no, but I'm I'm being sarcastic, and we're not in agreement. Damn it, Landon. <laughs> Don't you take me at face value. That's not what this medium is about. Uh, so all of those titles were the title of this episode. I, I, there were a handful in there I thoroughly enjoyed. Okay, um, that's good. That's good. Disclaimer. <laughs> the Taters one uh, really Thank you. me. Thank you. That came to me um, late in the day. That came to me pretty soon before we recorded. <laughs> The actual title of this episode is. Do you want to? Do you want a clue? Do we want to spend more time on this? I, I mean, I don't know. Fucking give me a clue. Whatever. We're all gonna die. Like what? Who cares? Um, uh, one of Ray Harryhausen's last films. My personal favorite of his, even though it's maybe not his best. Uh, best film. Um, they remade this. I think in 2014. Okay. The Tingler. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a Ray Harryhausen film. It's, it's William Castle. William Castle. Okay, but it, that's all. But Ray Harryhausen also did schlock horror movies, right? Uh, no. I, okay, so I was I wrong mean, in every possible way. <laughs> it's no, folks. It's on me. I'm not. Let's not make it about the quality of the hint. Let's make it about the quality of the co-host. <laughs> oh, I'm losing my mind. Clash of the Tailors. Okay. Clash of the Tailors. Okay. Uh, that's pretty good. 
I like it. That's really good, actually. I'm sorry I didn't guess that one. I got too hung up on the like from a from a 2021 standpoint. Obviously, the climate change aspect is the forefront of this episode. When you were titling yes. it in the 90s, it's more about the conflict between father and son. So, okay, yes, I get that. I precisely. get that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Uh, this episode broadcasts on September 30th, 1997, directed by Andrew Sow and written by Jennifer Salata and Adam England. Truman, how did you feel about this episode? Landon, there is a whole podcast that should be done about this specific type of episode of family sitcoms from the late 80s uh-huh. throughout the 90s. Because I've seen this episode before. It's the episode... <laughs> oh, Okay. There, it's it, not this episode of Home Improvement. I've just seen this show before where one of the kids gets super into environmentalism and starts being mm-hmm. a total bummer about it. Uh, there was a an Debbie ep- Downer, if you will. Yes, yes, a Debbie Downer, a Randy Rabble Rouser about it. <laughs> uh, there, there was an episode of Family Ties that I watched last summer that really threw me into kind of a thirty-six hour long depression, where Justine Bateman's character in like nineteen eighty-nine, when this episode came out, learns yes. about global warming and gets very, very obsessed with we need to we need to like make drastic changes to our lifestyles to prevent global warming from happening and it, like we need to stop using so much electricity and we need to never throw anything away. And then the resolution to that plot is Michael Gross and Michael J. Fox having an intervention and telling her like, hey, global warming is very important, but we shouldn't freak out too much about it. Let's just like recycle. <laughs> And watching that, at the time I was watching that, there were, like, so many wildfires in California that it wasn't, like, safe to go outside in L.A., yeah. and we've been in, like, a 10-year drought. And so, you, you, if you watch, there's just a certain genre of family sitcom episode, which is the one where we have to say, like, yes, the you know what, global warming is a thing you may have heard about on the news we should worry about it a little bit, but not too much. And don't worry. Don't be mean to corporations. They've got it under control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think you you and I run in different, um, different crowds uh, in our off time. Uh, for me... <laughs> You know, I'm. You're the TV guy. I'm the yes, movie guy. You are. For me, it is. It is. It has been ringing bells since the '70s with the William Girder movies like Day of the Animals, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just like the climate is changing enough and it's driving animals insane and they're killing people because of it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so for <laughs> Leslie Nielsen, bare-chested fights a bear in that movie. Ooh. Well, I, I, and yet you watched it without without panicking, Landon. I'm I'm proud uh, of you. Well, you wait. You're making assumptions that you cannot back up. Were, were, were with you evidence. just you, you were just you were you got through it by focusing on Leslie Nielsen's chest hair and not thinking about anything else. <laughs> I, so uh, yeah. So on television, climate change is driving the children crazy. Uh, in movies, it's driving the animals crazy. Absolutely. We yes. could talk about Prophecy, the one where uh, the environment is so toxic that it creates a mutant bear that terrorizes campers. More bears. Why did climate More change bears. always makes the bears go extra crazy? <laughs> Why are you not a climate change activist? Why aren't you and Greta Thunberg out there together? <laughs> I Well, I might not be an activist. I'm not out there, you know, raising signs. But I environmentalism is one thing that I take very seriously. Uh 
in my home and in, in my everyday actions. So yeah, no, um, th- you 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 walk the walk far more than I do. I mean, you don't even you don't eat meat, which is really what we should all be doing. So let's you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, I don't eat meat, and uh, I don't know. I recycle maybe a little too much. Uh, I'm very conservative with my water usage. I never turn on lights that I don't have to. Uh, I don't put my heat on until the new year. <laughs> <laughs> even even now with your with even even in Wisconsin, uh, I I mean un- until it gets down under the twenties, I won't put my heat on. I'll just put extra blankets on. At under the twenties, my God, man, you are okay. You are committed to the well, it's environment. Not, it's not in the twenties in my apartment. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> it's also why I choose to to get a top floor apartment because all the heat from the lower floors rises up to me uh, true to your detriment in the summer but to your benefit in the winter <laughs> um well, what yeah. what did you what did you think of this episode though oh yeah we're talking about home improvement yeah yeah not um, well we're going to be talking about a lot of uh more existential quandaries in this episode i feel like this mo- episode was uh written with a capital w yes <laughs> <laughs> it's it uh i mean to the jokes the the repetition like i something changed Mm-hmm. This season, oh, I don't yes. know what it is. If it's if it's just like the machinery doing its thing now, or if they are making an active effort to like change, the, I I can't quite put my finger on it yet. But there's something different. Um, it feels way more like a sitcom now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I mean, I realize it's a kind of an obvious comment to make, but there's <laughs> after just, like, six seasons of watching a sitcom, yes. But it it. <sighs> I don't know, season seven somehow feels like the production of it, the writing of it, like a first season of something with the performers and characters that, you know, are as experienced through seven seasons. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's a weird dynamic for me. I can't quite put articulate it obviously as i'm doing such a great job right now no <laughs> you're no you're you you are doing well I, I i see what you mean and i felt it in this episode so keep at it if you like you have my right. encouragement well the the changes are coming hot and heavy this season right we yes. got the arrival of ronnie and the goths uh you know <laughs> i'm very excited about that ronnie and the goths drink we got a speaking of which we got a new theme song which is you know we talked about last week and we will talk about <laughs> only uh, 20 minutes this week in yes fact, i'm going to text you the detail that we're going to talk about this week okay perfect perfect i for, i forgot to do that earlier um hold on i'm facing away from the microphone uh what else okay so um we get a new wind dancer logo at the end of the fucking episode for god's sake we do that threw me new new sounds when i'm turning away from my television and making my (laughs) final notes the greatest jump scare Uh, of all perhaps jill is counseling outside of the home now Mm -hmm. i mean like my god what is this show becoming truman landon i ask you what is this show becoming I mean, I think what this show is becoming is a series that, I don't know, either A, has some new leadership at the helm of it, or B, a series that is just settled into, we know what we are, we're confident, we're operating confidently within the, I know I've said confident twice, within the parameters that we've set up for what can happen on this show, and and I, I think the seeds that they've planted are finally coming to bloom. The boys are growing up, all of these child actors they invested in are now kind of becoming... I don't want to say adult actors because that gives us a different impression of something that nonetheless a lot of child actors wind up doing. But uh, yes. uh, they have they have grown up. Jill's therapy uh, studies have turned into a therapy practice and, and a whole new set of uh, 
uh, potential uh, uh, situations for comedy. I don't know. I, I mean, it's the show is becoming something that is just more. Um, it's more a, of what it is. More of what it's it's entered its final form. I think that's what it is. <laughs> the it's slowly emerging from the chrysalis. Chrysalis. Yes. Yes. I, the the only other thing that I would say in terms of reflecting on this episode is yeah. that um, for how many for how much of this episode is about Binford polluting and about pollution yeah. in the air and smokestacks and yes. our environment being polluted by noxious fumes. Shocked that there wasn't a single joke about how Tim pollutes the air with his noxious farts after eating Polish food. Because it seems like they would have done that last season. They would have done that. I'm not complaining by any means. I'm just surprised that they left that fart joke money on the table. We did get a fart joke last episode. uh, True. (laughs) With with that big big old steak that Tim was making. Um, (laughs) We did. And we did. I'm just saying it seems like there would have been one now. And well, okay. This is given uh, my my patented grunt work foreshadowing. Um, there are some grunts in this episode, mm-hmm. so maybe there's a, a a a correlation between if there's grunts, there can't be fart jokes. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, they they can use that masculine energy on on noises from one side of the body <laughs> or the other. <laughs> Tim is either grunting through his Heaven mouth. Heaven forbid someone sneeze at any point. Yeah, no, no, sne- no. Sneezes are not manly. Sneezes are the most feminine type of sound, uh, according to according to Home Improvement, not according to me, a person who sneezes <laughs> you, quite often. You have never heard my dad sneeze. Have <laughs> uh, you ever heard Goofy falling off a cliff? <laughs> like that. Yo-wee! One of my one of my friends is his girlfriend would scream every time she sneezed, which was very for a jumpy person like me. It's hard to be sitting in a room and just hear a woman scream behind you out of the blue, <laughs> followed by a virus being sprayed through the air. Oh, good lord, Truman! Landon. Let's hop on our jet skis and uh, ski out to the floating icebergs. Give some food to the starving polar bears before tightening our masks and plunging face first into the deep dive. Wow. I mean, yeah, that that'll that should fix it though. Riding a couple of gas burning ski doos out to throw, a, you know, some some ground turkey to the to the polar bears. That that's that'll that'll fix this whole thing. But yes, let's do it. Fantastic. Um we start in the kitchen. This is the second week in a, well, did we start on tool time last week? I can't remember. No, we did not start on No, we did we did start on tool time last week. We did. Week. Okay. Um Anyway, it just felt weird to start in the kitchen and not on tool time. Mm-hmm. And we start in the kitchen, not on tool time. And Tim is doing something uncharacteristic. He is doing cooking stuff. He's peeling potatoes. He's peeling potatoes. The grunt creep is walking in, kicking a potato around. <laughs> like a soccer ball? It's very interesting. <laughs> he's. <laughs> Do you think there are younger grunt creeps out there <laughs> that he's like, in my day... <laughs> We didn't have all this fancy uh, sports equipment. We had to kick a fucking potato around if we wanted to have some fun. And we liked it. (laughs) Uh, And then he reaches into his uh, disturbingly placed uh, grunt pouch (laughs) and pulls out an electric peeler and peels the potato on the counter. Yes, which is foreshadowing for this episode. So (laughs) Tim is... Uh, Tim is peeling. But, pot- well, I want one more thing before we we're done with the grunt creep. Go on. What I like, he's very considerate. Well, maybe not so. He peels the potato, and he pushes the potato into the sink where Tim is working, and he then pushes the peel 
<laughs> off the other side of the couch, or I mean, off the other side of the counter, onto the floor. Yes, yes. <laughs> Fuck it, get that later. Get that later. <laughs> All right, what happens in this scene? So in this scene, Tim is peeling potatoes. He's having a hard time yes. with it. It's taking too long. Brad suggests a power peeler, which Tim gets excited about. Jill comes <laughs> home and excitedly yes. announces, does not lament, but it no. excites the opposite of lamenting. That's not the opposite of lamenting. That she has uh, been accepted <laughs> into a special program to do, uh, like, she'll be running family therapy sessions, basically, which is exciting for her. Yes. Uh, She's doing her therapist uh, equivalent of a residency. Yes, yes. And uh, then in the course of this conversation, Mark's goth friend Ron alive, uh, Ronnie arrives and uh, heads uh, and you know and he is even more gothy than Mark is at this point. He's got a dog. Uh, no, collar. I think that's uh, that's after the theme song. Is that after the theme song? Oh shit! That's after the theme oh, song. Oh yeah, no, no, no yeah. That- Nurture. Oh, I'm sorry. I went. I didn't note the theme song properly in my thing. Anyway, she's <laughs> she's doing family counseling, and uh, yes. the boys are complaining there's no food in the house, and Jill tells them that uh, they can handle it on their own. <laughs> yeah, what I like about this because uh, it kind of brings Jill's. The joke of Jill's character throughout this episode is she's super excited about her job. Yes. And, you know, I, I like that Tim is actually kind of like, you know, he's proud somewhat of her. excited for her. Yeah. And but she we we see nerd Jill, which we don't get very often. <laughs> but we love it. We love a nerdy Jill, don't we, folks? I love a nerdy Jill. She is like she's going deep to Tim, who's just peeling this potato. Uh, she's going deep on her philosophy of how she's going to counsel these people. She's like, they don't even know what's coming to them. I'm going to... I'm, <laughs> I'm going to counsel the I, shit out of these nerds. I'm going to counsel the shit out of this, basically. like she's, I'm going to crush this. Uh, she's going off of all of her like um, psychological theories of what she's going to do, how she's going to approach things, how she's going to be different. Uh, and as she's saying, you know, she's going to take a, a compassionate approach to things and talk about a calming you know how to keep the the families calm as she's talking to them the boys are just like mom 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 <laughs> mom there's no food there's no mom, food there's no there's nothing in the house <laughs> and then she yells at him um she says Tim, she, she says to them i'll go to the store when i'm when i'm good and ready and if you don't like it you can go to the store yourselves or starve which is <laughs> amazing there's also a moment in this scene I, I didn't write the line down but tim has a joke line and he yells his line again just like last last episode or it's just like somehow he i don't know if it's like oh. oh man all of these other actors are becoming men i actually need to yell like maybe it's you know tim allen is um a man of a large family of brothers maybe it's like triggering in him like it, in order to be heard <laughs> amongst my my brothers i had to yell yes his, <laughs> now he's like i have to yell my jokes the the bit is tim talking about his counseling technique which is people people get over it <laughs> just not bellowing <laughs> not not necessarily a funny joke no but he delivers it loud no he <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the ultimate uh, that's the ultimate kind of damning with faint praise review, isn't it? Like not a not a great performance, but a very loud one. Everyone in the theater could hear all of the actors at all times. A very loud show. <laughs> my review of Stomp. Um, yeah, it's uh, listen, and and this this cold open sets up uh, a bit that I really like, which is 
Tim peeling potatoes, and I'll talk more <laughs> about it when we come back to it. But just, I hope you like the notion of Tim Taylor peeling a potato, because that is a theme in this episode. Indeed. And speaking of themes, we get a, uh, a transition of flower. Um, yes. There's a line of dialogue that, that leads us into flowers. A flower wipes the screen to this new theme song. Are you ready for hour four of us talking about this theme song? Okay, now, if everyone uh, everyone turn in your hymnal to uh, frame 337 <laughs> of the new Home Improvement theme song, I hope that people True. have looked this up on YouTube because we're going to be referring in great depth to this forever. I don't, th- I don't even think they need to. I think by the time they listen to us talk about it ad nauseum, uh, they will have such a vivid picture in their head. And I think, did Truman... Truman, Landon, did you receive the text that I sent you for what we will be talking about for this theme song? Not only did I receive it, I have it pulled up and zoomed in on my phone, <laughs> and it I, I only just changed my computer background uh, to a, a picture, different picture that I like from the one I had before, and I'm sad that I may have to change it immediately to this. <laughs> this is an image that has stuck in my uncanny valley, I think, <laughs> from... Yeah originally watching this show like i wasn't expecting to see it when it came up no. but when i saw it i'm like that's an image that i've forgotten but will never forget yeah <laughs> if that if that's possible yes uh, i i agree so folks in the, in the course of the opening credits there's no easy way to say this tim turns into a flower he gets stuck in a pot. It happens to the best of us. He grows out as a sunflower, and the center of the sunflower is his face. We've all been there. My question is... Yes. <laughs> ask away. Uh, why? Who? How? Where? It's when? Not, it's not relevant to Tim. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, uh, Tim turning into... like It would be one thing if he turned into a car, but Tim turning into a flower, right. that's not his vibe. Not at all. And Jill, Okay, so he... he the way he turns into a flower is that a pot bounces into frame, and Jill walks in with a watering can, waters the pot, and Tim literally grows into a sunflower before our very eyes. Also, he... Yeah. No, no, go on, go on, finish your thought. The The point, I mean, that's confounding. Yes. What 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 is happening? Why Why to any of this? The The question that resonates with me, though, is what the fuck is he looking at? Yeah, he. it is a very Steven Spielberg moment of him looking out of frame at something. It's. I. It almost feels like an editing mistake. I don't want to put this on Jim Prater, but wow. like, it looks like the eye line is supposed to be that he's looking up at Jill. I, I can't. I can't put that. No, this can't be a mistake. The direction in which, like, I think he's just... I don't even think he's aware that Jill I, no, I'm is saying, there. I think that was. I, I think that's the original. I, I would bet that that was the original intention behind the plate shot that they did of Tim on front of a green screen. And then when they got it in there, they're like, "Oh fuck, we animated the sunflower facing the other way." <laughs> <laughs> so we just have to flip Tim's face around. It's gonna be two seconds of the theme song. No one's gonna notice. No, 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 no one is going to spend an inordinate amount of their lives. <laughs> Uh, parsing every frame of this. I mean, that... otherwise, what what is he looking at? He's looking at the sun. I, I don't know. Tim but, doesn't look at the sun. But if Tim is a flower, flowers only look at the sun. Their only source of nutrients. Um, I I think that this is some okay, method acting well, from Tim Allen, who I think we all agree is a pretty good actor. So uh, this is a good point because 
uh, I let it play out a little bit further. And actually, before Jill or as Jill walks out of frame, he does turn his head and look at her. Yeah, he does. I oh, th- okay. So yeah, I I rescind the last fifteen seconds that I've wasted uh, yeah, of everyone's time. You're 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 welcome. You're welcome, Jim Prater. I I got your back out here. What I love about the <laughs> the uh, uh, Tim Taylor getting stuck in a flower pot and growing into a sunflower is that Jill, you know, he gets stuck in the pot. We see Jill walk into frame and some helpful letters inform us. This is Patricia Richardson playing Jill. And the whole time, <laughs> like she's the, from the eye lines and everything. It's clear that she sees Tim stuck in the flower pot and she knows immediately what she has to do. She has to pour water into the pot. So Tim will grow out of the pot as a flower. <laughs> the look on her face this entire time is just, can you fucking believe it? I've got to water my <laughs> husband again so he can turn into Wait a, a flower again. This keeps Truman. happening. Yes, Landon. You you inadvertently landed on a theme. Did I? What's hap- What have we noted over the last two episodes so far? Our, our episode in one cold open. <laughs> uh, what, what what have we noted? Um, I the, every, Everyone is older than they were before? Change. Ah, so... So growth. So, so Jill has Tim yeah. is growing. Okay. And Jill is staying the same? Jill is still I mean, Jill matured a long time ago. I mean, she can change all she wants, but she she has to provide the the basis for Tim to grow. Okay. Tim is growing, but yeah, Jill is the catalyst for the growth. So it's still kind of a, not an equitable relationship, even oh, even No, no, the, no. I wasn't arguing that. Okay, at not all. You you would never suggest something so <laughs> I'm depraved just trying to understand the that. visual metaphor of this, which is so confounding. It, the, look, the, this this opening these opening credits, and if you're wondering why we're talking about them so much, it's because it throws confounding visual metaphor after confounding visual metaphor at two people who are very <laughs> very closely attuned to the slightest hint of visual metaphor. <laughs> um, okay, Truman, I hope you can edit that down so that it uh, puts us back at the like the 35 minute mark sure and not the uh, not the three hours that we talked about it. Sure no no, uh, of course. I know it is the next day and we have been going all night, but I'll, I'll try know, and cut it's... like 11 or 12 hours out of that. <laughs> I am so caffeinated right now. Uh, so after the opening credits, we're back in the kitchen. <laughs> Tim is yes. still peeling potatoes. Now he's using an electric potato peeler. And yes. in the process of doing so, he completely mangles one of the potatoes, but that's not important. Mm-hmm. As I was alluding to earlier, because I was fucked up from my notes, Mark's goth friend Ronnie arrives. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie is not super talkative. Jill and Tim don't know how to react to him. And then uh, Randy comes home and explains to them that he is writing for the local paper about what local companies are doing to protect the environment. Tim suggests mm-hmm. that he write about Binford, and uh, Jill reminisces. Jill kind of yeah, reminisces about being a social activist uh, back in college herself. That uh, she talked about being part of the Burn Your Bra movement. Yes, which Tim was also enthusiastic about. And uh, <laughs> then Tim relates how he spent eight months in high school trying to save an endangered species, the muscle car. Ha-ha. Um, but he also suggests to Randy, you know what? Why don't you write about Binford? Um, yes. You know, because uh, Randy, you know, specifically says he's going to find um, how local businesses are going to help uh, climate. Well, he doesn't say climate change because that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that term existed at the time. But no. Um, how they're, they're going to clean up the environment. And um, 
Tim suggests, why don't you talk to Binford? I will get you some brochures, and um, we'll get you on your way. And he says, thanks, Dad. Sounds good. Tim Tim says something about like how Binford Binford must have cut down an entire forest to make all these brochures about how good they are on environmental issues, which gave me quite a chuckle, because it's probably <laughs> true. Uh, uh, you call it a chuckle. I call it hives. Um, I you you might want to. <laughs> wow, I, I don't know that I've ever got a horse neigh out of you we, before. I, I, what kind of name is Wilbur for a man? Uh, like, yeah, if you're getting <laughs> hives every time you go to a to go to a comedy night, Landon, I think you need to to I don't know talk to a talk to a doctor about that. You might have an interesting reaction to mildly amusing anecdotes. <laughs> uh, Truman, we need to talk about Ronnie. Yes. We need to talk about Ronnie. Ronnie, Mark's goth friend who is deeper yes. into the subculture than Mark is. Mark could still pass, uh, but Ronnie could not. Ronnie definitely could not. I am trying to see what Mark's t-shirt is. So in, they are taking Mark's character progressively through this. They, they aren't just flipping a switch. No. So he was wearing all black last episode. Now we see Ronnie. He comes in with a skull on a shirt and bat wings and a dog spiked dog collar. Yep. My god, is it this might have been the catalyst for my goth era. Yeah. I'm not sure. Oh, wait, the, this show goth pilled you? <laughs> the the timeline lines up. Uh, <laughs> whether I want to admit it or not, I'm not <laughs> I I'm not going to say it was the show, uh but I'm not going to not say it I was mean, the show. I mean I mean that's kind of beautiful that you get into goth culture not from any of the goth media or goth music but from home improvement the least goth thing in the world. <laughs> um but I was trying to see Mark's t-shirt. It looks like a heavy metal band shirt, but I cannot make out um any band name on it uh it could also be like a wwe shirt but I, I is is wrestling goth though i mean i get the undertaker but... yeah oh this era was for okay, sure okay okay attitude era kind of moved into kind of a gothy era as well so, you know, a lot of black and white a lot of uh leather <laughs> um, okay okay daddy likes leather uh also worth mentioning that ronnie has a super long wallet chain yes that is something i absolutely had oh i i remember those long wallet chains i was not i i wasn't a goth not i don't think that's going to shock anyone but i uh i i definitely remember the the lengthy wallet chains and being very concerned about the goths i would see around and like is that (laughs) are they a gang what's what is this why would why would someone do this if if we were in high school together do you think i would have concerned you probably yes i've i've but but at the same time if we were in high school together i would have annoyed you so much (laughs) that you would have reveled in the fact that i was afraid of you that's that's my that's my bold prediction uh the the only the only reason that i am friends with any of the people i am friends with now is because they did not know me in high school that's that's really that's really it (laughs) Uh, oh my th- god! There's there's also a wonderful moment when we meet Ronnie the Goth, where after you know he he he's very monosyllabic. He oh god, just just sup, you know whatever. But he he and this is my I think this is my favorite line of the episode. It's pretty good. Mark goes upstairs with with Ronnie and Jill and Tim just give each other a look. And and again, Tim Allen, uh, who I will go to my grave saying is a brilliant, incredibly gifted actor, has this very kind of like he's like not sure how to process what he's just seen, and then he just goes. Was that a boy wearing a dog collar or or a dog with a boy's head? And it's 
it's just it's flawless delivery. It's just incredible. It's so funny. Uh, it put me in mind of um, <laughs> Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. Oh, with the, uh, the, the half dog, Jerry half- Garcia. <laughs> Yeah, either either that or to reference our night's episode, we just recorded Mars Attacks, the uh, the Chihuahua with uh, <laughs> yes, Renee Russo's which head. I think was probably referencing uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers in a, a cheeky kind of way. See, seems likely, seems likely, or referencing this Home Improvement episode, which came out after <laughs> the movie. Uh, I have one more note here, yeah. is because it, it comes up again. Um, Tim with the electric peeler. Yes. The sound effects on this. So Tim Tim has the electric peeler in one hand and the potato in the other. And of course, the gag is he's going to grind it down to, you know, an unusable potato. Yes. And uh, the way that they do it is they he puts his hands below the counter, you know, kind of in the sink mm-hmm. so we can't see them. And then he pulls up the, the you know, little nubbin of a potato. <laughs> um, but the sound effect that they used, maybe I've watched... One too many horror films. Maybe. That's a maybe. You're the jury's out on if you've watched too many horror films. It was a grotesque sound effect. It sounded like he was going through the bone of his own hand. I, I, it was it was a rather moist sound. And I get that there is some liquid stored inside a potato, but n- not that much. I mean, it, it was crunchy as well. That's the thing. Like I think that's what's surprising about it. It was like Welcome to Sound Effects Theater. I am so sorry for anyone who had to listen to that. Uh, as am I, as am I. Uh, look, I mean, just to, to borrow from the immortal words of MGMT, uh, turn me on with your electric peel. Am I right, folks? <laughs> we get a muscle car transition yes. to a set that we haven't seen before, and I hope we see a lot more of. Yes, me too, um, because we love therapy on this show. A counseling office uh jill is meeting with her first couple very exciting and uh yeah she sits down with her first couple she um before they can say anything she just by way of introduction psycho babbles at them for like 30 unbroken seconds (laughs) full jill nerd mode she uh, she jill nerd mode she does the thing that we learned about in like season two called meta messaging where she just talks (laughs) in very uh highfalutin terms that they can't possibly understand and they immediately tell her they want another therapist (laughs) uh yeah it's it's amazing yes um i'm trying to find so there are two couples in this episode, and the images for our character actor corner, which we're going into a twofer. Oh, um, all four <laughs> of them have aged in their character act or in their their IMDb pictures. So I don't know who's who. <laughs> like because they've aged, you don't know who they are. You can't. You can't. There's no defining characteristics they've all gotten plastic they were, surgeries they were so they, nondescript in the episode let they me were fast. nondescript let me, let me get to let me see if i can't do this here okay i think i've got one of them so the the couple that they're talking to is just a, a husband and wife mm-hmm. i think one of them is <laughs> with 80 percent certainty uh let me just look at this other guy real quick uh, okay Come on, IMDb. Work with me here. Okay. It's, I think, Peter Siragusa. Yeah. Is this first guy. That's a good last name. Like that last name a lot. <laughs> he uh, has been in 61 things. He's still working to this day, though he's mostly doing shorts mm, now. Good for him. Um, 
looking at his division, he started back in 1982 with a TV movie called Parole. Uh, he was in Home Alone mm. as a lineman. Okay. Uh, the Babe. He was on an episode of Frasier. Mm, all right. Who did he play? <laughs> 1995, he played a character called Bruce in an episode titled Kisses Sweeter Than Wine. Mm, okay, I don't remember that episode, but continue. Continue. <laughs> I, this is a failure on my part, and I apologize to the listeners. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. They, they do, too, um, I'm sure. He was in The Big Lebowski as Gary the Bartender. Oh, okay. Okay, at the bowling alley. Okay, now what you're saying is interesting. All right, now I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was on an episode of NYPD Blue. Hmm. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, do you recognize him at all? I mean, on this episode, no, I, I, I didn't. I mean, I honestly, I feel like we don't even really see a lot of Gary the Bartender's face in Big Lebowski. I know no, exactly I who they're talking do, about. Maybe at all. Yeah, we're main. The camera's on on Bridges for most of that. Um, <laughs> I no, I don't. Is he? Why, why was he in something else that I would know? Well, do you think he was on ER? I think that he was on ER at this point. He was not on ER. Well, I'm sorry. Well, that's fine. No Chalupa's on the line for this one, so I'm not that concerned. Uh, Well, you should be concerned because he was in the Hudsucker Proxy. What? Wait, what? (laughs) We broke in Truman. We broke Truman. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. I'm okay. Wait, hang on. Give me a second. Was he one of the cab drivers who were looking at Jennifer Jason Lee? He was. He was a cabbie the same year in Miracle on Thirty Fourth. I don't. Street. I don't care about any movie that isn't the Hudsucker Proxy. Okay, so let's. He wasn't one of the two cabbies. Wait, is he one of the? Wait, is he one of the newspaper guys who's talking he's to Jennifer? He's the Jason? newsreel reporter. Yes. He's the wait the newsreel reporter because John Goodman is the voice of the newsreel guy in that. Mm-hmm. But is he what? Is he interviewing Norville Barnes at some point? I mean, I don't have the clip pulled up. I can't. Well, tell what you the every... fuck, Landon? Why would you start talking to me about Hudsucker if you don't have every piece of information about Hudsucker? <laughs> I thought that was the thing. Is like I have an encyclopedic knowledge of all film, and you have an encyclopedic knowledge of a film. Yes, a, a film that you don't like and don't want to keep talking about. That I bring hey, up. I, ex- we no, we I covered the, this. We did a whole episode. We did a on whole the episode. I know you appreciate it. I'm just saying. I know. I you I know. Do like it. I, yeah, I know that you do like it. I just you just don't. You know, you don't want to marry it like I do. Um, okay, he's one of the new. Okay, he's one of the newsreel guys. Holy shit! This is this is the new game. It's not were they on e. Well, actually, were they on er is a lot more fun because oftentimes they were. No one was in Hudsucker Proxy except this guy. That's um, um, hmm. I don't think. This woman is uh, this this wife. It's the, okay. We got it. We got some weird character actor credits going on in these last couple episodes. There is one woman listed in the credits here. We have two wives mm-hmm. on this episode. This woman named Shelley Morrison does not look at all like the woman that I'm looking at right now. Maybe she's in witness protection or something. You ever think about that? <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, it is. You're damn right it's possible. It's very possible. She could have gotten on the wrong side of the mob. Um, But no, it's not her. It's it, There's no way that's her. Okay. So we don't know who the second person is. 
Okay. Write in if you are this person. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure this this show has enough reach that just randos who were on a home improvement episode or we listen, if someone finds her, I will add her to IMDb for this episode. I have the power to do that. Well, as anyone does, but I, I have the, the ambition to do it. <laughs> okay, the ambition. You're willing to. You you have the time to spend. Yes. Um, okay, well, there's your incentive, folks. Write in. Engage with us. So, um, are, are, we, yeah. are we still in the corner, or, ha- or have we left the character actor corner? No, we're out of the corner. We're talking about the scene. Um, I, again, love Nerdy Jill. Yes. I, and she recognizes it, though. She recognizes when she gets too deep, and she's like... I know I'm talking too much about my own thing. I know this. Mm-hmm. Well, except she doesn't seem to know this because I feel like she keeps making the same mistake. <laughs> but that's, I don't know, that's kind of what uh, what I love about her. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, no, her enth- absolutely. Her enthusiasm for it and her the fact that she's found something she's really thrilled about that yeah. does not directly relate to taking care of her kids or her idiot husband. Yes, like that's yeah. that's something very enjoyable to see the glimmer of who Jill is on her own. <laughs> I guess my only question for the scene is why does it take place in a lobby? Yeah, it is weird. It is a weirdly like not therapist's office looking space that they're in. It does seem like just an uh, a bizarre waiting room. <laughs> uh indeed. Do you have anything else for that scene? Nope, it's a short scene. Uh, and speaking of short, Jill shrinks, get it? She's a therapist, uh, (laughs) into her chair when they say they want another therapist, and we go back home, where Jill comes home, uh, a little, uh, verklempt. So, and she comes home to- That's not the right word. I apologize. I I don't know. She's, she's, she's put off by it. She is perturbed. Uh, Perturbed. So she comes home. This is the third scene in a row where we just find Tim standing at the counter, peeling potatoes- (laughs) I love this. I wish that the whole episode could happen. The entire story could just happen with Tim peeling potatoes. Because already, it's starting to get ridiculous that he is just trying to innovate better and better ways to peel potatoes. Yes. And I I yes. just wish it went on forever. The, like, I wish that the whole action of the episode re- revolved, like, other plot lines were happening, but Tim is just there peeling a potato the entire time. <laughs> Well, what else happens in this episode or this scene? Uh, uh, potatoes. That's it. No, uh, Tim's okay. got a pneumatic peeler which he's using, but uh, yep. you know, with with predictable results. Uh, Tim uh, talks to Jill about how her day was and finds out that her day didn't go very well. And then Randy comes home and tells Tim that he's found out doing some reset research. <laughs> research on the internet that uh, Binford is in fact one of Detroit's top polluters and Tim is so shocked by this that he suggests that he uh, and Randy have a meeting with Bud so uh, Randy can interview him directly for the school paper and that Bud can clear up any of that confusion yes yep. um, I'll tell you one thing I liked about this is that as Tim is dealing with these potatoes and upping the ante with each of his gizmos, yes, uh, Jill actually she comes home she's like she's amused by this mm-hmm. rather than like annoyed that he's putting more power to something for once and that kind of I don't know uh, warmed my heart. Pota- potatoes are cheap. Potatoes ultimately, if you <laughs> fuck up a potato the way Tim does, the potato he pneumatic peels is the smallest nubbin we've seen well, yet. <laughs> true, but I I would think that. More than likely, like, if I were Jill, knowing Tim's past, I would be less worried about the potato and more worried about a potato being embedded in the wall by the end of this. And absolutely so. I think that Jill is just take like, she's got a kind of a zen state at this point. And also she knows that, 
you know, if Tim wants to sell the house and move up to the lake to be a lodge keeper, maybe he'll be a little more invested in not having potatoes lodged in the wall. <laughs> um, what do you what do you think about Tim's uh, interaction with Randy here? Uh, you know, I find this scene between them. Um, I, I don't know. I, I it, it upsets me a little bit in that. It, looking at this from the 2021 standpoint, which is mm-hmm. kind of kind of slanted and unfair to the show to do, it it upsets yeah. me when Tim goes. These environmentalists tend to overreact, but then when Tim a second later says, "Just because you read it on the internet doesn't make it true," it's like it's oh, very conflicting, isn't it? You're making good points though, but uh, I also know we shouldn't trust Binford in anything. Um, <laughs> So I don't know. Ben, I mean, I know that that kind of argument becomes a snake eating its tail, right? Yes. Because then, in the twenty twenty one timeline, like, well, people like Tim Taylor, maybe that's even unfair to say, are getting their information from. So it's like he needs to take his own advice. Yes, this is a thing that he's telling Randy not to do, but the thing that Randy's doing is helping. It's it's like it's. It's a little hard to wrap your mind around. Everything has gotten has gotten flipped and reversed since then. Now it's now it's the olds who are getting all their information from the internet and the youths yeah. who are uh, telling them to question their sources a little bit. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I do like that his reaction to Randy presenting him this challenging information is to immediately leverage his clout as a Binford employee to get his son an, interv- an interview with Bud. Yeah. I mean, that's huge for Randy's uh, burgeoning journalism career. Yeah, and and that he's going to go with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there's, I don't know, I, there's some sort of show of support there, even if Tim doesn't fully understand it, that I kind of liked. Um, yeah. I don't know, there, there's just like, I, I don't think Tim fully understands what he's supporting or what Randy's passionate about, but the fact that he's willing to share it with him is, was kind of cool. For Look, for the fact that Tim is throughout this episode kind of taking the side of defending major corporate polluters i'm surprised at how much i generally like tim in this episode like i'm not likewise not not saying that i agree with him because i don't but just that he the way he conducts himself seems more within the realms of reality and good fatherhood in a way that i yeah something interesting (laughs) is happening with tim thus far the past couple episodes i don't want to jinx it by trying to predict where it's going to go but i've been liking it we will not do that uh, again. We have learned our lessons four four seasons in a row. Yes. Um, we get a potato peeler transition. Uh, and by the peeler, I mean it's turning it the potatoes into potato chips Ooh. to Bud's office. Yes. Where uh, Tim and Randy walk in and Bud is uh, behind his desk. Yep. And uh, Tim, Tim and Brad... Uh, Man, this I'm, we are going to buy so much dollar amazing stuff. In the, the jar. This is our Chalupa fund. This is our Chalupa fund. This is like a college fund for the children of every person who listens to the episode at this point. Um, <laughs> so uh, Tim and Randy come in, uh, both besuited, and sit down for an interview with Bud uh, about Binford's record as a uh, corporate polluter. And Bud <laughs> tries to give the company line that uh, Binford is responsible and is not polluting that much, not breaking any laws. And Randy challenges him on a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. and calls him out for giving lip service to environmentalism while actually not walking the walk. 
And uh, then this eventually gets so heated that Tim ends the interview and pulls Randy outside and tells him that yeah. he's uh, being unrealistic and that he's too young to understand that things aren't always so simple. And Randy tells Tim that he's a sellout and has no principles and then uh, walks out on him and takes the bus home. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are a few moments in this exchange here that um, <laughs> really uh affected me this um, this is a this is a meaty scene for home improvement yes it really is um i want to i want to i think work backwards um sure starting with the argument between tim and randy at the end where yeah. he, he storms off that confrontation like was uncomfortable for mm-hmm. me yes <laughs> it was uh i don't know that we've seen that level of conflict between tim and Randy before like it used to just be like smart assy stuff it, it used to be like Randy would make flippant jokes about Tim yeah. being a fuck up and Ra- and Tim would get his feelings hurt this is a direct shot at Tim as a person <laughs> leveraged by Randy this is uh, you know has flavors of last season's uh, Mark yelling at Tim mm, like mm-hmm. don't ever do that to me again yeah 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 uh, only from a much more intelligent place and Honestly, a kind of a truthful place. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and and from I think uh, the son who t- I think Tim ultimately things coming from Randy I think carry a little more weight for Tim because I think Tim on some yeah. record realizes Randy's the smartest boy. Um, okay, th- let's get to some more light-hearted stuff. <laughs> when Randy walks in, um, Bud goes, "Oh yeah, Randy, uh, you're the one that plays soccer," and he's like, "Nope." Oh, okay. You're the the karate one, right? He goes, nope. <laughs> and he says, what what is it that you do? He's like, I'm a journalist. Uh, I, which was weird to me to go. Why does Mark have a defining trait? Yeah, his his defining over Randy. His defining trait is that he did karate one time over a year ago. <laughs> also, that Randy says, I, actually, I'm a journalist, and I have some pretty tough questions for you. Look, folks. I don't want to brag or anything, but I do have a degree in journalism. And one of the things that they taught me in journalism college was that if you're going to ask someone tough questions, don't tell them you're going to ask them tough questions. Just ask them the tough questions. Right. Right. Because uh, then it gives them time to to, uh, to formulate a response. So, the, you know, Randy's young still. He's still a boy <laughs> reporter. He's got things to learn. Um, Here's the other thing. Yes. Um, as uh, Tim is kind of getting Randy out of the room... Uh, he tries to square up some small talk with with Bud. Uh, Bud asks him how his golf game is. Ah, uh, yes. What? <laughs> Th- wait, are you Tim s- doesn't golf? I mean, Tim Allen does. Tim Taylor doesn't. Why would you say Tim Taylor doesn't golf? Like, it's a slow ass game that has manual labor. There's no power to it. It takes three or four hours to play. There's no colliding. There's no music there's no ball that you handle yes it is not a it's it it's in nature but okay no no it's not in nature i'm sorry i'll go with you on everything else but golf courses are not nature they are the antithesis of nature okay fair fair. (laughs) yeah yeah sustained okay in in the the sake of the argument of uh environmentalism i completely agree with you okay they sustained. yes totally yes but they're outside Oh, okay, yeah, they're outside, but listen, and I agree with all of that, but golf is also a male bonding activity, 
And I feel like... Tim, yeah, but it's not one where he can control others. You can only control your own game if in golf. If you're driving the golf cart, you control others. <laughs> he would soup up a golf cart. And, yeah, he would. And it seems like he has. Also, if other people ask if they can play through and you say no, then you're controlling even more okay. others. Fair. I, fair. I, again, I uh, know... But then the park ranger all... comes over to you and you're like, you, you have to let these people play through. You're holding up the entire course. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and I don't know what happens in that case, short of, uh, <laughs> short of I don't know, you offer him a new power drill so you can keep uh, putting. Uh, anyway, I liked, I liked Tim's response. It goes, oh, it's going good. I broke 90 and two golf carts. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and that, again, that matches with my notion of how Tim golfs, again, as someone who has yeah. golfed once in his life, is that it's mainly about driving around in the golf cart and uh, clowning out away from the women for Tim. <laughs> like, his score is nothing. Yes. Um, something I noticed is that Bud's office has the magnetic globe thing in it. Like, there's the like. Let's 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 go back. Let's elevate a few ten thousand more miles. Okay. From this. Okay. Okay. This used to be Wes Wes's office. Yes. <laughs> Wes's Paul Verhoeven ass Nickelodeon. <laughs> child promoted to executive level office that is just full of every single item from the sharper yes. image catalog in 1995 it has been transformed into bud's office bud has and much more austere tastes yes <laughs> that globe you're mentioning is the only like gizmo like he doesn't even have a newton's cradle no he doesn't no executive toys to speak in, of in fact he it's, i don't think it's a faberge egg but he has like a gigantic egg-esque thing behind him. Okay, I didn't see the egg. I did not see the office egg, but that's that's compelling right <laughs> the there. The office egg. But he, he one thing he does have is a gigantic model glass model of like a yacht on his desk. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, but that still makes more like that at least is like, okay, he's a rich dude who likes boats. That makes sense. <laughs> it's not it's not like extreme, like black light, true, you know, glass podiums holding up God knows what. The, this globe that he has, it's a globe where the globe itself is suspended between two magnetic points. So it's just like a yep. floating globe. It, it's just weird that he came in here when he took over from Wes and he was like, get all this shit out of here. Wait. Not the globe. Keep the globe. <laughs> like that, like something about that spoke to him. Um, what was the thing next to the globe? I didn't... You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't know what you're talking about. What was next to the globe? I think it's supposed to be a gigantic rivet um, that, oh. I don't know, maybe it doubles as like a, a business card holder or something. Mm-hmm. It's really phallic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a dick. <laughs> it's a dick on his desk. Well, you know, it, this is, again, a show that is all about masculinity. Sooner or later, the phallic imagery had to kick in. Why not seven seasons? <laughs> uh, and he also has a golf club um, just resting against the wall in the background behind Tim. True so true to good. Wes's old office, though, because Wes was putting oh, before. That's right. So that's right. some, some things right. stay the same. Yep. Uh, so I, I also have to say, like, when they actually get into the meat of the discussion, you know, yeah. uh, Randy is... Randy is saying that Binford is one of Detroit's top polluters. Gus, uh, Gus, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Bud 
I don't know where I got Gus from. Bud counters that, uh, well, no, actually, uh, we're a sustainable corporate citizen and we're working on a new emissions-free plant that'll be ready in 10 years, whatever. But Randy challenges him and says, well, you use pollution credits, though. And Tim asks what those are. And Randy explains about pollution credits, which is how when other factories in the area don't hit their maximum allotment of pollution, Binford then buys the unused pollution allotment from them so that Binford can pollute more than its fair share and just use the share of other companies. And only to say, this is a very nuanced explanation of an environmental policy for the TV series Home Improvement to tackle. And I'm really proud of Home Improvement for going into pollution credits. (laughs) That's like on the same level of carbon offsets and kind of other gimmickry like that. And also, Randy calls it out as like, they're exploiting a loophole so you can pollute more. And it's like, yeah, pollution credits suck. Like, I I don't know. I, I was very... I I don't know. I'm very proud of how the show did that. That was pretty cool that they went, they got that deep into the policy weeds. It's just the last thing. Like, Fr- Frazier never got into environmental policy on this level. So uh, Home Improvement gets one up there. Wow. All right. Yeah. I, things are speaking to you finally. Yes. And, well, and then also, so long as I'm talking about things that speak to me, uh, you know, Bud is saying that, you know, yeah, we, we need to use these credits for the time being. We're developing a cleaner uh, factory that in 10 years it won't pollute as much. And and he says, you know, think about the jobs, Randy, and Binford's financial well-being. And Randy says that the health of the planet is more important than people being able to buy 14 different types of hacksaws. And I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. Randy's making all these points. And I know that last week I was saying that I liked Zachary Ty Bryan more than I like JTT. But I'm saying that's been reversed now. And uh, Randy's my best friend. Um, because he's <laughs> because he's basically, he is shaming a corporate executive to his face. He is interrogating capitalism's role in environmental degradation. And then the scene ends with him storming out on his dad and saying, you know, his dad is saying, I'm your ride home. And Randy going like, I'll take public transportation. I'm sorry. That's the big three for me. Uh, (laughs) Friendship ended with Zachary Ty Bryan. Now JTT is my best friend. Uh, Okay. Put it on the board. Yeah. Put it up there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, ZTB. I like you. You're a good performer, but uh, you're not... You know, you don't go as hard as for the environment as Randy does. Uh, speaking of public transportation, we get a Binford bus transitioning us to the next. We scene. shouldn't be. We uh, should not be letting Binford run uh, no, public transit no. systems. We should not privatize <laughs> that under not. any circumstances, but especially not through <laughs> Binford. Uh, back home, um, Jill is working on her laptop when Mark and uh, Ronnie are he- about to head out. Yep. Yep. Uh. Mark has to run upstairs to find Ronnie's collar, and Jill and Ronnie try to make small talk, which does not work very well because he's very monosyllabic. Jill starts psychobabbling and scares him off. Uh, (laughs) Tim gets home lamenting Randy's rowdy behavior in Bud's office, and then Randy gets home shortly thereafter, and Tim and uh, Randy argue a little bit more, and uh, Mm -hmm. and then... Jill uh, kind of criticizes Tim for being so hard on Randy, and then Jill pieces out of the scene. Do we want to? Yeah. Uh, like, but let's 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 zoom in on this scene because this might be my favorite scene in the episode. Yeah, there's a lot to go on. Uh, we just talked a lot about Randy and Tim in the last scene, so let's focus first on uh, the whole Mark, Ran- uh, Mark, Ronnie, Jill, yes trio, the MRJ. <laughs> yes. Uh, first of all, let's just let's just take this this, this slow jam this okay. Mark and Ronnie, their friendship, from what we've seen so far, 
What's up? I mean, is it just that that Ronnie noticed that Mark was also wearing black all the time, and it was just like, hey, we clearly have the same interests. Let's let's jam. Like, or do you think that they? I mean, I, I can I can get down on that. I mean, that I was certainly listen. If Home Improvement influenced me to wear black, I, I would not put it past Mark actually having a friend that influences him well, to wear black. Oh, I, but I guess I I just assume that Ronnie got Mark into it because Ronnie seems yeah. deeper into the subculture. Do you think oh, Mark yes. got Ronnie into it and Ronnie just no, went no, way no. faster? No, no. Okay. No, no, the other way. No, that would be crazy. Um, the thing that I don't want to push on too hard, because I don't think there's... It, it's paper thin. I realize that. It's a fist through a Japanese wall. Um, how closely Ronnie is speaking into Mark's ear. <laughs> it is... Yeah, the whispering into the ear, it's a degree of intimacy that you don't typically see between male friends of that age. Uh, well, of that time period. I don't know. Yeah. It, just, it was a strange choice. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of cool. I, I just don't, I, I didn't expect it, and it's not something I know how to quite process. I mean, um, I, the, I, not that I need to. No, I mean, no. Fuck I, me. I'm just, it means nothing, but. I, I yeah, and I. I I think more than anything, the show is just trying to to convey to us how it is that uh, how it is that Ronnie uh, communicates without saying more than one word out loud to people. But it, it is, <laughs> yes. I don't know. It does again the same way that the whole goth thing kind of flummoxes uh, Tim's entire understanding of masculinity. I feel like this goes hand in hand with it as well. Uh, speaking of Ronnie, why don't we go into a character actor corner for? Yeah, him? let's let's go into a Ronnie corner. <laughs> uh, Ronnie is played by a actor by the name of Kaylin Romero. Okay, son of George he... Romero, director of Night of the Living Dead. Uh, only has uh, eleven credits. Hmm. His first being a character named Rocco in an episode of Family Ties. Okay, I don't know that I've seen this episode because I haven't seen most of them. Which season is that in? Uh, 1988, I would have to, it's an episode called Truckers. <laughs> Truckers. I don't think I saw Truckers. I, if, uh, if he was, season seven, if he was in the episode where Justine Bateman gets into, uh, fighting for climate, uh, change or fighting for the environment, I would lose my shit. If this kid is just typecast <laughs> as a bit player in episodes where one of the kids gets too into the environment. Oh, I would lose um, it. It does not. It does not appear that that is uh, the case. Okay, good. I'm glad. I can't lose my shit. <laughs> uh, he was also in the movie Radio Flyer with uh, Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on an episode of Home Improvement. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember that. <laughs> I think I've heard of that episode and that show. Yeah. Um, and then, wait, is this the movie I'm thinking of? Okay, so he was in Mighty Joe Young. Oh, yeah, um, the monkey movie. But is this... No, okay. I, he was in a, a movie called Rocker, and I'm like, the Rain Wilson one? No, no, not possible. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Um, so that's it. That's all That's all he's got. Not on ER. Not, not on ER. Not hard to guess. Yeah. Uh, he was on Seventh Heaven. Oh, all right. That was kind of the... Playing uh, Young Man Number Two. Oh, was, uh, so not goth Young Man Number Two. So clearly nope. he, he grew out of this phase. <laughs> um, Oh, you know what? I did the wrong I did the wrong character actor for the last guy. Really? Yes. So wait, that wasn't, so, that wasn't him? 
the no no i mean that was that was ronnie but the the husband in the last um character actor corner was not uh was not who i said he was oh who was he actually james dumont uh how many credits does he have he has 147 he was on er uh was he on er let's see oops how do i spell uh, well, it's two letters, Landon, and I and <laughs> both of them are right there he, in the title. In the movie Savage Beast, he played ER Doctor. Mm. But it seems like you wouldn't be saying that unless he wasn't on the TV series ER. He was on an episode of ER in 2004. Boosh. Title called Damaged. Boosh. He played a character named Clemens. Nice. Take that, Clemens. Rhymes he with is... Jesse Plemons. Yes? <laughs> He's in a lot of shit, man. Yeah. He was in Jurassic World. No. SWAT, Speed. Wow. Uh, Deepwater Horizon. Jesus. Wow. That, that's a that's a real uh, litany of, of both good and utterly forgettable blockbusters. <laughs> uh, he goes back to the Blues Brothers. Kid Ooh. Dancing in the Street. Okay, there's a lot of kids dancing in the street in that movie. I he know, could be anybody. I know, but to think that this, this bald husband on this episode was a child in 1980... Dancing in the street in a Blues Brothers movie is really funny to me. Yeah, that that does make you think about mortality. At some point in our lives, we're all children dancing in the street while a couple of cocaine enthusiasts sing some uh, blues songs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, he's in a lot of stuff, uh, so I wish I had spent more time on him when he was actually on the screen, but didn't. That's James Dumont. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. Um, let's get back to this episode. Well, one other thing I'll... This- Okay, but I got a lot still for yeah, this yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, give me some stuff that you got for this scene. Because I think your stuff is probably G- similar to my stuff. Okay, just to even the scales a little bit, I mentioned Ronnie getting close to Mark. Jill gets in Ronnie's face. <laughs> Why does everyone want to be so close to Ronnie? This kid whose whole aesthetic is stay away from me, I'm weird. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe maybe it's, you know, a, a kind of a, I don't know, maybe, you know, Television is a visual medium. We don't, we can't smell what he smells like. Maybe he has a really attractive scent. I've never looked at a, I've never looked at a preteen boy, uh, goth or not, and thought, you know what? I want to see what they smell like. I bet this, <laughs> I bet this young boy has a good odor to him. Um, we get a reaction from Jill here that is unlike any I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, she starts to talk to Ronnie, and he doesn't respond well i mean he gives like the one word answers and she tries to make small talk after mark leaves and goes upstairs to get the the dog collar jill says don't want to go anywhere without that dog collar they could throw you in the pound (laughs) and she she kind of laughs at her joke and ronnie is just stone-faced staring at her and jill just kind of like goes from laughing into like this squirm <laughs> in her seat. Like what she, I've never seen her more uncomfortable with a joke not landing before. I mean, I have to say though, Jill, I mean, funny joke, but did you really think that was going to land with this like 13-year-old? <laughs> like 13-year-old boys right. who are famously able to laugh at themselves. Yeah, that's going to go over really well. <laughs> uh the other thing I want to point out here is um she asked Ronnie, "So what's going on?" Ronnie says, "Stuff." Yeah. <laughs> And then later in the same scene, uh, Brad's just getting something, getting some food out of the the thing, and uh, I forget what no, she oh, asks. I, but... I, I have I have the prompt. So she has okay, then write it. Go for it. She has 
sitting there talking to Ronnie then said like, I just want to let you know if there's ever anyone you want to talk to, I can blah, 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 this, psychology, psychology. She starts psychobabbling at him. And then he just goes later and walks away. And then she turns to Brad, who is making food nearby and says, what did I say? (laughs) Brad said, stuff. (laughs) And then he goes, later. (laughs) Uh, And then Tim comes in and they start arguing, you know, him and Randy start arguing. Well. Um, well, this Randy, is actually, I'm sorry, this is even before Randy gets in. Tim just comes home and he's upset. I'm sorry, this is also the thing oh, I really right, like. Oh, right, yeah, because the they scene. came home differently. I forgot. Yeah. Um, but in their argument, Randy, like, doubles down on the sellout line and calls him, you are acting like a tyrannical fascist. <laughs> <laughs> and walks off. And Tim just turns to Jill, like, totally flummoxed by this. And he goes, did he just call me a dinosaur? <laughs> Delivered so straight and with such sincerity that he absolutely crushes it. Oh, and then he ends the scene by saying stuff as well. Do you do you remember that prompt? No, no. Okay, this is this is the, this is how it goes. Okay, so Jill has talked to Brad. What did I say? Stuff later. Then Tim storms in the door. He's right. upset. Jill goes, "What happened, Tim?" Stuff. <laughs> hilarious <laughs> 10 out of 10 the scene ends then like you know tim, tim and randy have this whole fight did he just call me a dinosaur and jill is you know jill is kind of taking randy's side like tim is saying where, where'd you even get off writing about binford anyway well it was your idea ah throw that in my face anyway tim goes what if this is just the beginning what if he says we can't wear leather or eat meat or if he falls in love with dolphins and says we can't eat tuna because i love my kids but i will never give up my tuna and jill is just silent for a long moment and then just goes later and walks upstairs <laughs> beautiful nobel prize that is beautiful nine thousand years that, in space utopia perfect that's where uh it just i've never seen that level of joke writing on the show before swiss watch i mean there, there are jokes on the show but uh, you know that kind of repetition that fast back and forth um <sighs> Yeah, it's rare. I've seen, like, I, I think I've seen and we have called out stuff like this before, but it, it is clearly like, ev- like it was evolving towards this, and this is the pinnacle thus far. This is some of the, yeah. that, that scene is some of the crispest writing on the show, and I love it, and I <laughs> celebrate it. Um, So great. Agreed. So great. Really funny scene. We get a dolphin transition. Yes. <laughs> to Tool Time, our Tool Time episode. Um, They're working on fiberglass. Yep. And decide, hey, we're going to move over to a question and answer session. This totally common thing that we've done, you know, for every season that we've seen of this show where we ask the audience questions. It happens all the the time. Every open, We open questions up from the audience for us to answer on air. Um, As they're going through this, uh, one person asks, you know, about uh, how do I, you know, make a – make. My, you know, how do I make sure my fence doesn't rot? <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, Heidi, is your swimsuit calendar coming out? Yep. Um, how how do I how do I see uh, how do I put a new layer of sealant on my uh, countertops? Right. And uh, they you know they answer the questions, and um, then one guy goes, "Hey, you know what? Actually, I got another question there for you. Hey, hey, hey! I got this newspaper here that I saw." <laughs> And uh, it says that uh, that Binford here is one of the top ten polluters. What do you got to say about that? And um, they don't know. They don't know how to answer it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> in, in fact, they don't know how to answer it so much so that they turn it back on him and just go, well, where'd you hear that? Yeah. 
He and he heard it and he heard it in the school paper that his kid brought home. And this guy not only reads the entirety of his son's school newspaper, but gets very incensed about what he reads in it. Which yep. I guess I celebrate this guy for being that involved in his kid's uh, oh. community. Yeah, that's where these. <laughs> so okay. The previous character actor I read was for this guy who is reading from the newspaper. Ah. And the character actor that I'm like, that's not who that wife is, is the woman who puts her hand up and kind of supports this guy in his crusade. Um, and I'll go into her real quick, which is she is Shelley Morrison. Uh, she has 63 credits hmm. from Will and Grace. She played Rosario. Uh, Rosio. Oh. Rosario. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't watch Will and Grace, so I don't know who that is. Oh, you didn't? No, okay. I, I did think not. She, I, I think she's a recurring character of, um, I hate to say it, a housekeeper mm. uh, on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in, oh my God, Troop Beverly Hills ah. as Rosa the Maid. Okay. <laughs> uh, I can't, I cannot overstate <laughs> the crush I had on Jenny Lewis <laughs> yeah. back in the day and to this very day. Shelley Long was right there and you had a crush on someone else. I don't even know who you I are anymore. Jenny Lewis. Ugh. Uh, she was in Shark Tales, Fools Rush In, the Matthew Perry Selma Hayek movie. Yep. Um, do you think, though, that she was on ER? I do think she was on ER. Do you want to wanna rethink that? Uh, well, I mean, I guess there's no chalupas on the line, so fine. Yeah, I don't think she was on ER. <laughs> she was not on ER. Okay, good. If you, if you steered me away from that guess, I mean, again, nothing's <laughs> on the line, so it would just be really about our friendship at that point. But I do want to believe that I can trust you. Um, you can. Okay, we're friends. That's good. We are friends. And co-hosts. Yeah, yeah. That the a bond even stronger than friendship, co-hostship. <laughs> uh, so Shelley Morrison, she she's also in this crusade. Um, and the it's almost kind of a mob mentality. Yes. As soon as this guy starts like shouting, like Tim Tim and Al try to dismiss the question, but this guy starts shouting more questions, and then more people in the audience start demanding answers, and then Al gets very angry and basically cancels Whoa. the shoot. Where did that come from? Al dismisses, and I'm using that word very specifically. He dismisses the audience. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he calls in security to get all the audience rousted out. <laughs> this is Al, who is like, every day just stands by while Tim mocks his appearance and his yes. mother and everything. But then as soon as he gets any guff from the audience, it's like, no, you are lower on the totem pole than me. You get the fuck out. He, he is. I've never seen. This is a level of Al that we just, we have never seen. His hands are in the air. He's like, you know what? This episode is over. You all need to get out of here right now. I'm calling security. His hands are in the air like he just does care that he is getting disrespected by this audience <laughs> and he has to maintain control. It, um, okay. So this this whole thing brings me back to a question we've asked 100,000 times. Yeah. And I feel like they keep changing it on us so I can never quite pin it down. Is this live? I don't know. I think I think in this I think in this specific instance it's not live because if it was live it it would have been a bigger deal like that like that this went out live on air <laughs> right. like them right. like Tim the fact that that we like that Al went into beast mode on live television that would have been <laughs> I would hope they would have given us a whole episode about that. Uh I think I know but this one seems like a taping situation. Yeah. Um, I, so, so what I, what I love about this, uh, this scene, well, okay, first I like that, that 
when they're doing the Q&A, I mean, well, obviously that it starts with the first question is a guy asking about Heidi's swimsuit calendar. And she says it's available in the gift shop. And then like six dudes get up and try to run away. And Tim has yeah. to like beg them to stay and sit in the audience. Um, but then uh, uh, what I what I also like, though, is that then, then the actual home improvement question they get comes from a woman asking about how to keep her fence from rotting. Yeah. So it's like, OK, good representation. This is why a woman and would I go and watch the show. I love this interaction between Tim and Al here because it seems it went in a different direction than I expected. Um, she asks the question and then Al answers saying, well, oh, she asks about the sealant and he goes, you want to use a sealant that contains copper eight quantilinal aid. Uh, and Tim goes, that's right. Plus it's fun to say. And he has this like joyful look on his face as he looks at Al. And I'm like, instead of making fun of Al, he's like, Hey, I like that word. Yeah. You could tell he was he was like trying to decide in his head like should I should I do a bit that makes fun of Al or a bit that just uh, revels in my joy about being able to say this word and he he chooses the he chooses the more humane response in that case and I I appreciate that I also want to um, acknowledge that the show is giving Debbie Dunning more to do so yes. when the guy starts asking about um, the pollution and he continues to have questions. Heidi is like physical comedy trying to wrestle the microphone away from this guy. Uh, it was it was good. I, what I and what I love about this is that, so the guy first gets up, the, the, and this dude who who winds up causing all this trouble. He's wearing a work shirt with his name tag on it, which suggests that he's like Ralph. Yeah, Ralph. Like he's like on his lunch break from the factory, and he <laughs> right. came down here to see the taping. So I love that first. He. Starts out by asking, like, hey, if I'm doing a new layer of sealant on my countertop, how would I do that? Totally anodyne, normal question. The guy's answered. And he's like, yeah. hey, I've got another question. I read this article that my kid brought home in the school paper about Benford being one of Detroit's worst polluters. And so he like, starts grilling them about that. And Al is saying, like, oh, well, Benford doesn't pollute. We're a good corporate citizen, whatever. And then the guy is like, no, well, I... And he, like, he pulls the newspaper out of his back pocket and is waving it yeah. around. He's saying that Al is a bearded phony. He's Fighting Heidi for the microphone so we can keep yelling at them and questioning them hard on air about this. So it's like this guy came prepared to do this. The first question he asked seemed like it was just a cover. It just it, Now, I have to ask you, because I've heard that this is the method you do as a journalist. You ease into the conversation yes. with a common ground. Yes, yes. And then once you've got them comfortable, you then hit them with the hard-hitting questions. Yes, you don't tell them I've got some hard questions for you like Randy did. You start out with the softballs, you establish a rapport, and then you twist the knife. That's what they teach you in journalism school. So, th <laughs> so this guy, like, I hope that he works for a current affair or something and is some kind of plant. But what I also would say, if he is not some sort of plant... Um, I just kind of love that there, uh, is, you know, the existence of this upper Midwestern blue collar factory worker environmental activist. And I wish there had been like 70,000 more of them in 2016. And maybe we'd be in a better place as a country. Uh, it, we, the world needs more Ralphs. The world needs more Ralphs because he's like the most lunch pail hard hat guy going like, you're polluting the environment. Why are you not being a better steward of Gaia, our precious mother? Like, and then, and then he incites a riot. Like, there's like three other dudes in the crowd. We're getting up, like, yeah, answer the question, answer the question. And it's like, when have when have crowds of people ever cared this much about climate policy? I mean, I I, I wish that I wish 
wish that like the show is trying to put out there that it's become a witch hunt environment. Why? I wish it was like this. I wish that the world was actually you could incite a riot over the fact that the corporation who sponsors right. this public access tool show is not being <laughs> as forthcoming about their emissions as we want them to be. Oh my god, um, it's cool. It's it's a cool. It scene. is and a cool show. It is for awesome. Cool people. <laughs> we get a Benford security transition. A, a literal man drops down into frame and wipes the audience away. A Benford bouncer. Um, Benford bouncer. And we go to our Wilson scene out in the backyard. Uh, it's nighttime. Tim goes out back, and Wilson is TMing, transcendental meditation. Um, he Tim just you know interrupts the meditation and starts talking about how angry he is about. The article and what Randy's doing, and um, they start talking about uh, Wilson kind of turns it and makes him see it through the perspective of like, well, Randy's just passionate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't you, weren't you ever passionate about something? And, you know, Tim kind of brings up some of the same old topics that he has in the past of like, well, Randy and I are so much different. We aren't passionate about the same things. And he goes, yeah, but there's the passion. That's what Randy cares about. Mm -hmm. And Tim's like, oh. Oh. And he kind of discovers he has this story about saving auto shop. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, Wilson's like, so he might not care about the auto shop part, but he'll care that you stood up for what you believed in, that you had the passion to make a change and affect a change. And Tim's like, you're right. You're right. I'm going to go talk to him and tell him. And so he goes inside, and uh, Randy's there. Randy's about to leave, and Tim goes, no, 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 hold on. I want to talk to you. He tells him the auto shop story and kind of makes amends, says that, you know, uh, I I maybe was a little harsh on you. I just think that you were coming at it a little hot and heavy. Yes, and he he gives Randy his blessing to continue writing articles about this uh, so long as he, you know, just... So long, so long as he, A, has his facts right, and B, so long as he is not rude to uh, Bud if he goes in for another interview. Uh, indeed. Yes. Now. Yes. Does Wilson know David Lynch? <laughs> Let's just get to the heart of this. Uh, wh- why? Because of the meditation? Oh, because of the meditation, transcendental, yeah. like on Twin Peaks. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, in real life. <laughs> okay, well, if he knows the Beach Boys and the Beatles... I feel like it seemed like, of course, yeah, sure. Why wouldn't he know David Lynch? He was a much lower caliber celebrity (laughs) at that point. Do you think in another life, Wilson was the inspiration for Frank and Blue Velvet? I mean... Just an oxygen-sniffing, crazed Dennis Hopper. Either that or was he the inspiration for Bob on Twin Peaks? Maybe either way, that kind of yeah. There's a little more spiritualism, yeah, Bob, coming from Bob the owls, and, and when Bob is creeping up from behind the bed, briefly his face is partially obscured behind that's the furniture. Right. So I mean, there there could be some inspiration <laughs> there too. I, I I'm I'm more Team Bob than Team Frank. Okay, all right. Well, who's to say that Wilson hasn't lived many lives that he's the inspiration for them all? I would never suggest that Wilson has not lived many lives. Wilson is the one that gave David Lynch his meditation word. Yes. Uh, Also, Randy's wearing Wilson's wearing a red ski cap. That's weird. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, Um, among his other meditation robes, we've seen Wilson in a baseball cap, Mm -hmm. which was weird. But that was part of a gag. This is just like you're adding a new hat to his ensemble, his his wardrobe. uh, That. I don't know. It it was weird to me. Yeah, it, it is a it is a jaunty chapeau. I w- I will give it that. <laughs> um, I guess jaunty chapeau isn't the secret word that I have to guess. Otherwise, you would have told me by now. I would have told you by now. Okay. Um, 
How do you feel about uh, the wrap up between Tim and uh, Randy here? I, I, you know, I like it. I, I do. I, I, this is an interesting thing that I was reflecting on uh, when I was mm-hmm. writing up my notes. Is that I really, I don't, on a human being who's looking at the state of the earth and thinking about yep. what the next thirty years of his life is going to look like, this episode is really painful to me because it advances that whole notion of uh, ah, don't be too hard on the corporate executives; they're doing their best. And yeah. I, I think this and the we knew what the problem was, but we're not going to take it that seriously. Yeah, uh, you know why? Why get bent out of shape about it? That's going to be a problem in the twenty twenties. We'll all be dead by then. Um, <laughs> but I, so. I, I don't like it on that regard. And and in terms of the, the storyline of, hey, the main character on this show works for an unethical company that is one of the biggest polluters, not just in any city, but in Detroit, a city that's already pretty heavily polluted, with all due respect to Detroit. Like, so the, the show presents this notion that, that the Taylor house and their cars and the clothes on the boy's back have been bought with basically environmental blood money. And, and yeah. that is left out there and never tru- truly resolved. So on all those levels, it bugs me. But in terms of just the <laughs> arc between Tim and Randy in this episode and the way it resolves here, I actually found it really satisfactory and enjoyed it in a way that I haven't enjoyed Tim's relationships with the boys before. Because Tim speaks in a... Or Tim's relationship with issues. Yeah. Know, yeah. Capital I issues. Yeah. Like the fact that Tim talks about having passion for something... And I get that it's car-related, but it's that Tim believes that it's important for people to know how to do maintenance on a car, which, I mean, I agree with. If, if you're, yeah, I think that is an important skill that should be taught in schools because our society, unfortunately, depends on cars for transportation because we didn't invest in public transit the way Randy and I want to. Randy, my best friend. But, um... <laughs> So I, I'm getting a little jealous. I, I, yeah, I know. You, you should. He's an awesome guy, and we're super... Why don't you go start a fucking podcast with him? I, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I mean, we are quite close. Uh, we both like riding the bus and yelling at capitalists. Uh, but I... So I think that... I, I think that this interaction between them is... I don't know. It, it humanizes Tim in a way that I really liked. And I don't know. I, I liked seeing... Then a testament to JTT's acting. I liked seeing him kind of see this new dimension to his dad and find this new respect for his dad. And I, I don't know. I, I, I liked this. I liked it because it, it yeah. they both show a mutual respect for one another. Tim understands and respects Randy. Randy, in turn, understands and respects Tim. And I thought that was kind of a beautiful moment between the two of them. I, you, you almost read my notes verbatim. Oh, wow. Uh, where the, the term mutual respect. And that, that was a key factor for me mm-hmm. uh, in this exchange because it showed as we're learning like this is this feels like the theme of the season and we can recognize it only two episodes in a maturing like it's almost as if they can see the end of the show coming yeah and they're like okay we did malinitiation you know what what's the evolution of this what's the place we want to get to and he's seeing the boys randy in this particular instance as a man now and he's like i'm not going to make you acquiesce to my house, my rules. Mm -hmm. I'm going to meet you on your own playing field, treat you as a person, and we're going to arrive at a place of mutual respect. Um, But there is still kind of the the parental, you know, uh, uh, aspect to it of having respect between a father and a son and bonding over the experience there. So I don't know. I really was impressed with the way that that played out uh it, it certainly surprised me considering how the show has dealt with you know these sorts of things in the past um 
So yeah, I, I was very satisfied as well. Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, a really again for an episode that in a lot of other ways is aggravating. The emotional core of the episode is done so well that I'm really not that upset about the rest of it because I can kind of <laughs> like, like for anyone who would argue that we have been unfair or trying to apply 21st century standard to a 20th century show. When they get the character, the when they get the immutable, timeless character stuff right, all of the other yeah. kind of contextual criticisms fall aside because we're so invested in just the characters. So, yeah, yeah. There, there's your incentive. Well, I hope we see <laughs> at the risk of of ruining it for our future episodes. I hope we see more of this moving forward. It it seems like a conscious effort, so I I have a little more confidence in saying that. But um, I will hang the hope on it. Rather than uh, the expectation, let, 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 we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed. We'll pray for it. We'll recycle, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, we get our stinger. Yep, the counseling office. Jill is meeting with a new couple. Uh, she starts talking about things, and then their son arrives. Oh boy, who is it? Oh man, it's Ronnie. Here's <laughs> Ronnie. Wearing an anarchy T-shirt and his collar, and uh, at seeing, at, so Ronnie says his catchphrase, "Sup." Sup. <laughs> um, he uh, at, at seeing him, Jill just says, "I'm gonna recommend you to another therapist." <laughs> they say, "Well, what's going? Why? Why? Why?" And Jill just goes, "Later, later." <laughs> Walks off. Um, I love that through line of those jokes. Uh, yeah, those beats that just re- recurred throughout the episode. I, I will admit, when the scenes start, like she walks in and it's talking to the parents, like, so I hear you're having trouble communicating with your son. I was really kind of hoping, like, oh, okay, so this last little scene will get a moment of Jill solving her problem of not talking over people's heads and being able to actually have a rewarding right. therapy experience. And then this happens. And it's like, oh, well, okay, good joke. And I'm going to root for Jill to have have a successful therapy internship experience later on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Ronnie's dad, yeah, is played by a character actor by the name of Paul Keith. Keith has seventy-two credits. Ooh. He goes back to uh, Funny Girl. Wow, uh, which is a Barbara Streisand film. Yeah, where he was a choreographer in that. Um, like he he choreographed the movie, or he played a choreographer in the movie. Funny, he played Girl. a choreographer. Oh, okay. He played her her character's choreographer in the movie. Okay, that makes more sense. Uh, lots of TV. Um, Dharma and Greg, mm-hmm. two girls, a guy in a pizza place, oh. two guys, a girl in a pizza place. Uh, <laughs> this, that was the spinoff, right? Like they, they yeah. First right. it was first it was two girls, a guy in a pizza place. Then it was two guys, a girl in a pizza place. Then it was two pizza places and a girl. Um, then it was two girls, four. one cup. Oh God, no, no. I'm sorry, no. I'm sorry, no. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know where that came from. That came from that came from freshman year of college, Truman, making jokes that were relevant at the time. Um, Nash Bridges. Mm, oh yeah, something much less offensive than two girls, one cup. Nash Bridges. <laughs> uh, Cougar Town, NCIS. I'm not seeing um, Cheers, Frasier, or NYPD Blue here, though. Hmm. I'm gonna say then no to ER. Is that your final answer? Yeah, it is. Fuck it. I don't even care. <laughs> he was on an episode of ER. Should have gone for it. Fuck. 2004. 
by the name of a character named Paul. Look, it's easier, though. It's easy for this game to become a hobby when there aren't chalupas on the line. Like, it doesn't destroy my evening the way it I know. used to. I can feel your heart's not in it as much. I mean, well, yeah, you know, I'm just throwing a dart at a board now for the hell of it. I'm not trying to, like, you know, play the William Tell game and shoot an apple off someone's head. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, okay, we go to our outtakes. Uh, Jill flubs the line twice. Yep. Tim flubs a line, yep, and uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah, you know, it's nice to see. Like he says something about, "Can we get, can we get?" I don't remember what he asks for, but can we get something for Pat? And I just liked him saying Pat to her. Like, you know, <laughs> they're friends. Yeah, they're friends. We get a Wind Dancer logo, a new one. Yeah, really threw me. I, yeah, very concerned. Very concerned. Truman, I got two two major questions for you. Give them to me. First, what do we learn from this episode? Uh. We learned that this this global warming thing, the governments of the world and our friends in major corporations have got it handled, and we don't need to worry that much. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I completely got that from this episode. Yeah. Um, my other question, and this is the real one, um, what do you think was the Great Potato Mystery? <sighs> the Great Potato Mystery... Um, why, why was Tim peeling so many potatoes? Why did he have to peel so many potatoes that he had to invent a new way to do it? He was trying to make the biggest ever platter of scalloped potatoes. Uh, <laughs> he was, uh, trying to make... For any purpose? For any purpose. For a feast. For a Thanksgiving <laughs> feast. Uh, okay, that's, that's, in, in the show's world, that's, that's, uh couple months ahead for a potluck for a dinner i'm not prompting you for anything i just want to know why tim was peeling so many potatoes i mean no we never learn why tim is peeling so many potatoes jill jill comes in at one point and says potatoes again and it's so it seems like he's been making so it seems like in the first place he was making dinner and props to tim for making dinner but i mean I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I, I do, I do have to ask what he's doing with all the potatoes. Is he for is he fermenting them to turn them into some kind of alcohol based rocket fuel? <laughs> yeah, I maybe he's found some sort of way to turn potatoes into jet fuel, and that's what's in his basement. <laughs> so wait, he's been doing this for the whole time. Then that's why there was the jet fuel yeah. in the basement in season one. It's that was also his potatoes. Well, I mean, it's a long term project. So in in season two, when we saw that jet fuel barrel it was just filled with potatoes that would eventually become jet fuel. it was labeled for what they would be in the long term exactly yeah that exactly. right then it was just a, a a oil drum full of uh full of deconstructed jet fuel yes exactly listen when i put a dinosaur in a canister and put it in the ground i don't say dinosaur on it i say oil mm, i see i see when you were talking about putting dinosaurs in a canister i thought that you put shaving cream on the uh outside of the canister uh some in some Jurassic Park medium cuts that we're doing here, I guess. Oh my God, Truman. Okay, Landon. We this brings us to <clears throat> the grunt count. Damn right it does. Now, hit me with it. Well, I have a guess? guess. Yeah, do you want to? I do. Yeah, but I'm I'm not confident in how you count the the grunts yet. So. I'm not sure if my guess is accurate to how you would consider it. My guess is two. Yes, I understand why your guess is two. That is not what I uh, what I wound up writing writing down though. <laughs> what did you wrote? I wrote down 
of what I wrote. <laughs> I I righted one grunt because <laughs> okay. So now he goes early on. He goes, oh yeah, like that. But that's because he's right. saying oh in grunt form. Oh yeah, right, right. I don't count Which that we as know grunt. Yes, that we we've determined. For seven seasons, that is not a grunt. Yes. So my one grunt comes from the kind of lengthy grunt he does, uh, and I'm trying. I'm trying to remember where specifically in the in the episode he does it, but he does a very no. It was right after that. It was right after the the grunt, the oh yeah grunt he does. Oh, he goes oh yeah. Oh, oh. oh, I didn't. Shit, I didn't hear a secondary grunt after that grunt. The one grunt that I counted came came later down the line. Oh, but really. Yeah, I mean it's a. Uh... Oh yeah, no, no, no. that's yes, yeah, t- yeah. You're right. No, he d- okay. Brad suggests the power peeler. Tim is excited by. He does a long grunt after that. So yeah, so that's the yeah. that's where I. But I guess I just marked the one grunt when he mentions the power peeler, not the oh yeah. Because it okay. So this is where it was a little controversial. He it's almost a whispered grunt because mm. he goes oh yeah. Oh, yeah, because it was so low, I didn't even catch it. I think that's my issue. Shit, I need to go back and rewatch that one. Then that might actually it, it be up to two. But see, it it it's it's interesting because I could see you see why you would think or why you would consider it a long grunt because it's an undulation so much as uh, more than it is a start and stop. Mm-hmm. It's a oh, oh as a as opposed to a oh, oh yeah. It didn't have two separate attacks, so that's probably why I didn't count right. it. That's uh, okay. Okay, I mean, look again. I'll have to give it the play-by-play, but for for me, it went in as a one. But you're right; that might be a two if he does. If I can find separate attacks, that's a two, baby. Okay. All right. Well, that's um, that's the grunt count. That's that's the grunt work. <laughs> that's I mean, look that we've we've done the work. We counted the grunts. That's what it is. What do you say we grab a Budweiser? Uh what do I say we grab a Budweiser? I think that grabbing a Budweiser would be good, as though you're referring to Bud. What happened in the Bud scene? He's at a desk. There's a globe. <laughs> beer. No, I'm just. I'm saying we should. Yeah, I'm saying we should grab a beer, a Budweiser, a beer, a Budweiser beer. A Let's brew. grab some beer. Beer. Anheuser Busch. Uh, hops. Uh, Brewski. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna call Oat it there. Soda. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Uh, if you watch Big Lebowski, you've heard it at least once. Uh, oh, okay. uh, 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 fermented. Uh, uh, the secret secret word for this episode was spuds. Spuds. Damn it. That would have... As in Spuds McKenzie, yeah. the Budweiser dog mascot yeah. from the 1988 Super Bowl. You don't have promos. to. You don't have to tell me who Spuds McKenzie was. My parents had a had a bull terrier uh, before I was born. <laughs> I know all about Spuds, um, except I don't know about Spuds in terms of saying it on this episode to win people some chalupas. Uh, that would have. I thought. I thought there. You. You hit me early on with Tater. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this. This is. There is a. There's a chance here. Nope. Nope. There's never a chance. Uh, if you ever think that I'm going to do something right, you are sorely mistaken. Uh, well, I think you will do something right because uh, you do it right every time we do it, which is um, the outro. <laughs> because I, I have one thing to say in it. <laughs> and you always do it. You do it right. I do it right. Grunt work is made possible by our patrons. 
If you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create the show, consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod, where for only $1 a month, you can get access to our entire archive of Gruntwork Nights episodes. Leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts because it's the fastest way to get us a bigger audience. We want, you know, yeah. we want to build that in the last two seasons. Yeah, don't you want Why, that too? It's never too late to start. Uh, <laughs> stop, stop by to say hi to us on Twitter or Instagram at GruntworkPod or visit our website at rec.arts slash gruntworkpodcast.com. Where you can also see other information on today's episode. Sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. Until next week, when we bring you another episode of Home Improvement, I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, the only way that we can prevent sea level rise from swamping major population centers that are home to over a billion people before the end of the century is to make sure to throw every aluminum can into a blue bin with a bunch of white arrows pointing at each other on it. That's it. Nothing else. Uh.